It's the Mark Stein Show. And now, here's Mark. Father's Day in most of the world, from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe. We have a few Father's Day thoughts from the Mark Stein Show over the years. Poems, songs, some recollections, sentimental and full-hearted. Others walking a finer, more nuanced line. Uh, But we think especially on this Father's Day of two recent Stein Show guests from just the other day, Orphans of the COVID vaccine. Kelly Hatfield and Joe Ward lost their respective fathers to a COVID shot neither man needed to take. And to add insult to injury, hack politicians such as John Mason, member of the Scottish Parliament, laugh and sneer at their grief. This morning, uh, Mark, I woke up to see those tweets and... It's a quite a sensitive week this week, with it being Father's Day on Sunday. So I'd been not myself this week, but to wake up to those tweets, I felt was absolutely disgusting, absolutely disgusting. Yep, I understand that, particularly, as you say, a couple of days ahead of Father's Day this weekend, as I'm sure uh, you're in that situation too, Joe. You 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 turn your thoughts to the dad who isn't here to celebrate Father's Day with the family. Kelly Hatfield and Joe Ward, we think of you on this day, even if your grisly politicians don't, as we think of all orphans of the COVID vaccine and of the COVID. In my book, A Song for the Season, I write about Rogers and Hammerstein's great anthem of impending fatherhood, the soliloquy from Carousel. Frank Sinatra loved this number from the moment he first heard it, and he sang it all the way to the end, half a century later, including sections they no longer sing in the show itself. If you go to see Carousel today, you won't hear this passage. It's long cut from the vocal score and uh, from the performance as licensed by the Rogers and Hammerstein office. A flawed man contemplating the birth of a daughter. When I have a daughter... I'll stand around in bar rooms Oh, how I'll boast and blow Friends will see me coming And they'll empty all the bar rooms Through every door they'll go Weary of hearing day after day The same old thing that I always say My little girl My little girl Here is that little girl returning the compliment decades later Nancy Sinatra with the song that chokes her up too much to sing in public There's a man Who always stood right by me Tall and proud and good when times were bad Too much heart is the only fault that I see This song's not for you folks It's for my dad 
always a partner, a playmate and a teacher. Ready with a joke when times were sad. And in my teens, sometimes he was a preacher. This song's not for you folks, it's for my dad. Of course, I like you folks, but I love my dad. Nancy Sinatra singing a song by a country singer-songwriter, Lana Chappell. Mark Stein's Poem of the Week. A Father's Day poem to my taste should be about something specific, not just generalities about dear old dad, which can descend very easily into sob sister stuff. Two of my favourites are Wordsworth's About a Father on a Country Walk with a Five-Year-Old Son and this one by Theodore Retke about a waltz one night in the kitchen. Not long after Retke's death, uh, James Dickey, uh, America's Poet Laureate, and the fellow who wrote Deliverance, which you will surely know, at least in film form, uh, James Dickey called him the greatest poet this country has yet produced. Retke's admirers include W.H. Auden and Camille Paglia, whose poetry anthology includes more pieces by Retke than by any other 20th century poet. This one divides the critics. Some see it as a comic romp of persistent love. Others think it's a scene of terror. I think it's both, and if you study Retke's early drafts, you'll see he worked hard at keeping that balance. Uh, but to quote James Dickey again, Theodore Retke sees and feels the aspects of life which are compelling to him. And this compelling aspect is rooted in memories of his own father. Otto Retke was a German who emigrated with his brother to Saginaw, Michigan, where they became market gardeners who owned uh, 25 acres of greenhouse. But uh, when Theodore was just 14, his father died of cancer and his uncle committed suicide. Sometimes when you lose a parent young, the few memories you have blaze ever more vividly. And Otto is clearly the inspiration for this poem. It's a memory of a waltz. And um, in fact, it's written in three-quarter time. But it's not really... Uh, a waltz that waltzes, because in fact it's a flawed, boozy hulk staggering around the kitchen uh, with his wife aghast as saucepans shake and fall. But the memory means something to the son all these years later. The roughness, the stickiness, the booziness, the clumsiness. It's a vivid and, at a certain sense, an appealing memory of a father no longer there. Written in 1941 by Theodore Retke, My Papa's Waltz. The whiskey on your breath could make a small boy dizzy, but I hung on like death, such waltzing was not easy.
We romped until the pan slid from the kitchen shelf. My mother's countenance could not unfrown itself. The hand that held my wrist was battered on one knuckle. At every step you missed, my right ear scraped a buckle. You beat time on my head with a palm caked hard by dirt, then waltzed me off to bed, still clinging to your shirt. A poem from me to you this Father's Day weekend by Theodore Retke, my Papa's Waltz. Mark Stein's Last Call. I think most of my fellow columnists would agree that the hardest columns to write are the seasonal ones for those big holidays that roll around every year from Easter to Christmas, Valentine's Day to New Year's Eve. It's all been said before and sometimes by you yourself in your very first Thanksgiving or St. Patrick's Day column. Many years ago in New Hampshire, I was agonizing over one such seasonal torment and while prowling the room in search of inspiration... Uh, I chanced uh, to alight on my local church newsletter, and their columnist, Mrs. Piper, had written a rather good column. And I noticed as the months went by and Memorial Day turned to Old Home Day and mud season to deer season, that she was very reliable in that respect. She was in her 80s at that point, still driving the dirt roads in a rusty pickup, and still riding her favourite horses in the uh, 4th of July and Old Home Day parades. One Sunday morning in church, I said how much I enjoyed her newsletter pieces, and we became fast friends, and I did the eulogy at her funeral, which is a long time ago now. This Father's Day column is a particular favourite of mine. Her dad ran away from home, as a child fleeing a horrible situation and wound up at a local farm, married a local girl and had five daughters. And then their mother died and their father found himself doing double duty as both parents. And in difficult circumstances, he gave them the childhood he himself had never known. Four of the girls married into some of the oldest families in town, still living at the homesteads, their forebears had built in the New Hampshire wilderness in the 1760s and 1770s. And the fifth, somewhat improbably, left town to work for the State Department and travel the world. The daughter of a man whose travels were confined to the ritual each June of driving his cattle from his farm down by the river four miles uphill uh, to their high summer pasture. This is the story of my friend Vivian Piper's father, but Vivian had the ability to write about her own life and yet write for everyone, to be utterly personal and yet say something universal. I think of this man often, each season, the planting of spring, the haying, the time of growth, the birth of farm animals and all that goes with nature. If I listen, even in June, I can hear the frozen snow squeak under his old barn boots 
as he walked to the barn to milk, so many years ago on bitter cold winter mornings. I am in my middle seventies, and it is heartwarming to remember these things about this father, who was also my mother. He was proud of his five daughters. Granted, he did treat some of us as boys on the farm, but that seemed to fit in very well with my way of thinking. How it was handled over time did not make me think any less of my femininity. He told me and my sister Edna, who was my best friend, the importance of keeping our hair combed and neat. This was something special for girls that boys didn't have. I don't think at that time my father realised that boys could also grow long hair. He told me I had the best of two worlds. I was a girl, and I could do almost anything that any boy my size could do, but it was important for me to remember I was a girl. This good information I forgot time and again. He explained menstruation to me as he knew about it and passed it off as just part of growing up and being a girl becoming a woman, which I didn't fancy very much. He taught me to accept myself as I was and to be proud of this and happy about it. When he seemed to feel so good about you, how could you as his daughter feel otherwise? Such things as the colour of your hair and eyes, whatever they were, didn't matter. It was the smile you put on your face that counted. Mother died when I was very young, and she was a shadowy figure in my mind. But my sister Edna, so he said, looked just like our mother. To two little girls it was something to hold on to, and proved true with the passage of time. There were his five daughters' achievements, 4-H projects, prize speaking. He backed us up as children in the grade school. Then we went on to bigger learning things in life, secretary work, nursing, teaching, and learning to be good homemakers. This was important. My father's childhood was lost. He went only to the second grade, and when he was ten years old, he ran away from a sad situation. He came to John King's farm. He could not read or write, but he could outfigure any man with a pencil and paper. He was startled one time when the bank credited me with $3,200, when in fact I only had saved $32. Wonder what he would have thought of a computer virus. Nevertheless, education was very important for his daughters, and that meant going to high school, where we each had to find work in homes and pay our way. This we all did. I rather think to Dad's credit. My father wasn't a religious man in the sense that he took part in church service, but he believed in his town, and as a part of this town and his neighbourhood, it was his duty to keep his roadsides mowed and clean and not let useless brush grow up. He was truly a good neighbour when a helping hand was needed, and he felt it wouldn't hurt us girls to go to Sunday school, so we did. When my father was in his seventies, he had a heart attack, and my sister Dorothy cared for him in her home. While he was getting better, my sister provided first-grade reading books, and during that time he learned to read, and he was delighted. After that, letters could be typed to him, and to his pleasure he could read them. More than once he commented on this wonderful thing to be able to read. Courage in this man was an example I admired greatly, the morning we all stood around 
and looked at the smoking remains of his farm buildings, buildings he had owned for over 50 years, where 40 head of cattle had burned the night before. Grant Bolch, a good neighbour, asked, "'What are you going to do now, Frank? It's all gone.' My father turned and faced this good farmer and friend and said, "'You know, Grant, it is all here in my mind and always will be. I have that. And you see that big cornerstone in the foundation of the old barn? Well, that's where I'm going to start and build a new one.' And he did build another barn." His examples of patience, his love for his animals and concern for their welfare showed his belief that these beasts were a part of a much larger plan. Until the last, my father set the example of living life to the fullest. He travelled the world over following where my sister Mildred was in the State Department. He went to all the family gatherings and picnics my sister Lillian planned. He cared about his grandchildren and I kind of think those who got to know him loved him. His person with me as a child made all the difference in my life. As an adult today, I don't look at a glorious field of corn or witness a slow coming down rain or a pretty little girl all dressed up without thinking, gee, Dad would like that. Remarkable, Father, I think so. But then, on the other hand, if all of you who read this were to sit down and write about your father, I bet there isn't enough paper for the church newsletter to get it all in. My late friend Vivian Piper and her Father's Day column for a New Hampshire church newsletter three decades ago. When your father's alive, you think of him in the here and now, a family dinner that's got a bit of a sense of weary obligation about it, the emerging health issues and the phone calls because he's fallen or he's not taking his pills. When he's gone, you're a child again, and he's a man in full. Uh, Lately, I found myself having an occasional dream about walking down the street with... My dad, one day when I was about seven years old and I was accompanying him on his day's business rounds in the city. It's a very pleasant memory. Uh, So here's Vera Lynn uh, with her own childhood reminiscence in song. And this is, in fact, the very first solo Dame Vera ever made in 1936. A song based on a reassuringly cosy bit of English home counties vernacular that I believe dates back to the 1860s, but reached its uh, apogee in the 1920s and 30s, when for little oval teenies going upstairs at the end of the day was a trip up the wooden hill to Bedfordshire. Last night I dreamt about the place where I was born. The village school, the winding lane, the fields of waving corn. Gee, that dream brought memories to me. My childhood days in fancy I could see. When the sun had gone to rest and I was tired of play, Dad would put me on his back. And then to me he'd say Up the wooden hill to 
too bad for Jill Heading for the land of dreams When I look back to those happy childhood days Like yesterday it seems It was grand, my mother held my hand Daddy was the old Gigi The old wooden hill was the old wooden stair And Bedfordshire cot where I knelt to say my prayer Climbing up the wooden hill To bed for cheer They were happy, happy days For me A very young Vera Lynn with her Famously clear enunciation, but not quite yet the tonal quality that three or four years later would make her the force's sweetheart for the duration and forever after. Dame Vera died on Thursday at the age of 103. That very English song was composed by Reg Connolly, whose catalogue includes If I Had You and Try a Little Tenderness. The words are by Clifford Gray, who wrote If You Were the Only Girl in the World, the Tommy's favourite of the Great War, and Spread a Little Happiness, which was a big hit for Sting in the 80s. And he spent some time in America, where he wrote with all the great American composers, Jerome Kern, Sigmund Romberg, George Gershwin. I knew Clifford Gray's daughter Dorothy very well. She used to get me to cash her dad's American royalty checks when I was in New York. Uh, and then bring the money over when I was next in the UK. I expect that, like everything else these days, that's totally illegal now. But as a young man, I always enjoyed an electric frisson, having an attaché case full of money between my calves when I was sitting at the counter at Hamburger Heaven on whatever cross street in Manhattan that was. Uh, Dorothy, like uh, Vivian, loved her dad. He died not that old, 54, early in the Second World War, presenting a concert party for the troops in Ipswich in 1941. The Germans bombed the town that night very heavily. The bombs missed him, but all the smoke brought on an asthma attack. I was always amazed at how many top-notch singers my dear old dad had seen in concert. Frankie Lane at the Royal Theatre in Dublin, Elvis Presley at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. But his all-time favourite singer was Al Jolson. And for me, Al Jolson singing happy songs with Morris Stoloff's orchestra is a happy sound of my childhood. And I can always hear my father singing along. Happy songs that pick you up, that no one seems to write anymore. Have a wonderful Father's Day weekend. Stay safe, stay free. And if there's a red, red robin, bob, bob, bobbin in your neighbourhood, make the most of it. Because, boy, we sure could use him now. I heard a robin this morning. I'm feeling happy today. Gonna pack my cares in a whistle. Gonna blow them all away. What if I've been unlucky? Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy As happy 
as a king When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along Along There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead Get up, get up, get out of bed Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red Live, love, laugh and be happy What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along. Join us next time for another edition of The Mark Stein Show. Mark Stein Show is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love. Laugh and be happy, what if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bob-bob-bobbing along. All rights reserved.